Welcome to On Baseball Writing, the podcast featuring conversations with writers who cover the game we know and love. Now here's your host, Eric Roseberry. Hey everyone, I am Eric Roseberry and just want to welcome you to the first episode of the On Baseball Writing podcast. Uh, in the coming weeks, we'll be talking to some of your favorite baseball writers uh, and really finding out just how they do what they do. And on our first episode today, I'm thrilled to be joined by someone who's become a friend over the past couple of years. Uh, Rob Maines is a writer at Baseball Prospectus, among other places. Uh, Rob, how's it going today? It's great, Eric. Great to uh, be here for the kickoff. Yeah, no, we're uh, thrilled to have you. Now, is there anywhere you are writing other than Baseball Prospectus right now? Still, I still do stuff at uh, Banish to the Pen. Um, we're actually working on a intro to sabermetric series that will come out some point after the postseason. Uh, but those are my two uh, two sites. I used to have my own little blog, but I've kind of given that up. Okay, great. Well, and really the, the whole point of this is just to, to let people get to know uh, some of the people they read uh, on the internet who are covering baseball. Uh, just a little bit about uh, how you write, why you write. Uh, we'll get into a lot of different things today. Uh, but first of all, and we'll probably start here with everybody, uh, how did you become a, a baseball fan? What were some of those early formative moments for you that, that got you into the game? Well, I have an answer that's probably one half typical, which is that a parent got me interested in it. The atypical part is that it was my mother, not my dad. My dad's idea of baseball is that it should go maybe seven innings max, and there should be only two foul balls and maybe just three strikes to or three balls, two strikes, just to, to move it along. But my mother uh, had an aunt who was a Brooklyn Dodgers fan. We're going back a few years now. Okay. And she became a big baseball fan. And I grew up in Minnesota, not very far from Metropolitan Stadium where the Twins used to play. And she used to bring me to ball games. And once my younger sister uh, was in the picture, she would bring both of us. And if you go to the baseball reference page, for a obscure former twin first baseman named Rich Reese. Uh, there's a dedication there that I renew every year on Mother's Day to my mom um, because he hit a real dramatic home run for the twins back in the day. And we had tickets to the game and my sister woke up with an ear infection and my mother decided she wanted to go to the game, so she took my sister to the game with us. It was probably an irresponsible, you know, irresponsible thing for a parent to do. But my sister, I know, laid on my mom's lap the whole game. But it was a great game. Oh, that's great. That's great. And then, so as you're getting into the game, um, who are some of the the writers that you start to? Were you attracted to anybody in particular who was covering it at the time? Well, you know, I, I'm a little older than probably most of the guys that we're going to talk about, so I can say that. The kind of uh, uh, key moment in my interest in baseball from a writing perspective was when the Bill James Baseball Abstracts came out because I was old enough to, um, you know, to buy them, to read them, and to really look at the sport in an entirely different way. And the thing that James gets is known for, obviously, is introducing not only introducing sabermetrics, but also coming up with a term. But the thing that really appealed to me, in addition to that, was the guy's a really interesting and captivating, I think, writer. He really grabs you with his writing style. And so I used to look forward every spring, because I said before there's anything on the internet, of course, to see the new Bill James baseball abstract, not only to see his numbers, but also just to see what he was writing about, how he was writing in a real kind of informal 
humorous way. So he was probably the single biggest influence I can think of. Rob Nyer came along later. He actually is a Bill James protege, um, wrote in somewhat the same style. And then he was the first baseball blogger when he had a uh, regular column on ESPN. And today, I mean, you and I have such uh, a wide array of writers that we can choose from. It's, you know, if I named them, any of them, it would, you know, like somebody said the the current Mount Rushmore is Sam Miller, Ben Lindbergh, uh, Grant Brisby, and Jeff Sullivan. But by naming those four, you know, we'd be leaving out six or 12 others who are really great. And the quality of writing now, it's, I think... It's thrilling, but also if you're writing, it's pretty intimidating because these guys are all great. And then kind of on the more serious side, I guess, of the game, or the less analytical side, I really enjoy John Thorne, the baseball historian who mm. has a blog for um, at MLB.com. But he wrote, um, he was a co-author of The Hidden Game of Baseball, which was the second really big uh, sabermetric uh, work that came out after the Bill James abstracts. And he's a much more literary writer, but also very entertaining. And the stuff he writes about now about baseball history, uh, he picks up some really obscure moments in the sport and makes them really interesting, I think. Yeah, it's not a bad uh, Mount Rushmore you mentioned. And uh, I'm curious because, yeah, as you said, now there's just this wealth of baseball writing that we have available at the time, uh, you know, Bill James is starting to write and things. Uh, was that basically it for a baseball fan in terms of uh, that kind of analysis? For the analytical side, yeah. There, I mean, there's the Roger Kahn wrote The Boys of Summer, and that was a great book. Roger Angel, who writes, still writes at 90-something for The New Yorker, mo I think just about every year he would come out with a book that was basically a collection of uh, what he'd written about baseball. And he was a phenomenally good writer, but from an analytical perspective, James came out. There were a couple other uh, similar type attempts. Elias had a book for a while that they came out with, but in my opinion, and that, yeah, I had friends who didn't agree with me, but I thought nothing really rivaled James for a while until some of his progenitors like Rob Nyer came on the scene. Well, and then let's kind of transition to to where you were at. So when did you start to get the itch to to write about baseball on your own, or what were your first few attempts like? Well, I, I got interested in it, I guess it was this 2012, no, the 2013 season, just because there was a lot of stuff going on there. Um, there are some really intriguing rookies coming up, and I, I was thinking of something that I would do. I, I had a... Um, long time Wall Street job that was frankly kind of burning me out. And I was trying to think of other things I might do to keep myself busy. So I started with my own blog and I wrote a couple things. And basically my readership was my mom and a friend of mine from college who used to every now and then email me all my uh, spelling and grammatical errors. You had your own commenter before commenting. Was a thing. <laughs> and my own commenter slash editor. Yeah. Yeah. One guy. But <laughs> um, and then I started to think about whether this is something that really could keep me busy. And I went to the Sabre Analytics Conference, which is held annually in Phoenix in 2014, just to meet a lot of people, talk to folks, and get an idea what is out there. And my conclusion is that there's a lot out there. There's a lot of opportunities. There might not be a readership necessarily, but there's you know a lot of people doing really good work, which was 
in a way kind of, you know, I was thinking, this is not something I was thinking of dropping my career to do, just something to keep me busy. It was both in a way exhilarating and intimidating, just again, because of the quality of what's out there. But I got to know some folks who were kind of encouraging. And so I started writing a little more. And then the best advice I ever got as a baseball writer was the same year I went to the Sabre Seminar in Boston. And there was a panel with Dave Cameron from Fangraphs and Ben Lindbergh when he was still with Baseball Prospectus. And somebody said, if you want to get involved in baseball writing, what should you do? And Cameron said, start your own blog, realize no one's going to read it, and see if you can write a thousand words five days a week without getting sick of it. And, you know, in my mind, my blog became the gym that I went to work out in to see if I could get in shape to do this for real. Um, and that's that's sort of what the, the, that that year, 2014, really got me going and starting to write more. And then I guess the following year is when I started writing uh, for Banished to the Pen with you. And that, you know, that got me exposure to a wider audience. And, you know, we've got a fantastic uh, set of editors there. So that I think kind of sharpened my writing style. And I mean, Eric, you you know this too. You start writing for a better audience. It improves your writing just by virtue of you thinking about who's going to be reading this. And it's not just going to be mom and your friend from college is just going to rag on you for grammatical mistakes. Oh, sure. And so, I mean, you mentioned that transition you went through from uh, writing on your own blog uh, to Banish to the Pen to ultimately where you're at now for Baseball Prospectus, which I'm sure for some people listening uh, would be a, a dream scenario to be able to write for this uh, company that uh, produces the annual that so many of us love and is a is a daily uh, read for a lot of people. Uh, how has that transition been? And and was that simply someone noticed some things you were writing online and they contacted you? How did that play out? Yeah, that's a good question because the 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 step that I sort of missed there is that I would say to anybody who wants to do this, who follows my advice of writing your own blog that nobody reads, at some point when you're comfortable that you can do some more writing you need a bigger outlet just so you get noticed. No one is going to ever read um, on the field of play.com, which is what my blog was. So I started writing. Um, first, I did some stuff for Fangraphs community. And then I started writing for Banished to the Pen. Um, I know uh, Behind the Box Score has a, um, uh, a kind of a member area where people can submit things. And I would really recommend anyone who wants to, you know, see how they play in a larger audience to go to one of those sites for a couple of reasons. One, you know, you get more exposure, which means, you know, you, and you, you're going to get some feedback. But second, you have someone editing your work who's not just you. Um, you know, you, if, you're, if you submit to Fangraph's community, since I've been through the process before, it's not a given you're going to get published. Um, so you've got to be able to write good, good uh, copy. And, you know, that I think is a good exercise in itself. Um, Jeff Sullivan, who, you know, is one of the guys on Route Mushmore, Route Mount Rushmore there actually edits, uh, that site. So, you know, you've got a phenomenal writer doing the editing. And, um, I think that was sort of the intermediate step is you, you go to, once you're comfortable with what you're doing, you go to a bigger site where you're going to get more eyeballs. And for me, I think the key thing was, um, Russell Carlton, uh, who's with BP, 
and looks at what we write at Banish to the Pen. He saw a couple of my works. He liked them. He recommended them to others. And I think that gave me the visibility um, that I needed to uh, get an opportunity to write for Baseball Prospectus. Writing for Baseball Prospectus, I'll tell you, I'm not an um, insecure person by nature, but it's really intimidating because, <laughs> you know, you got guys like Russell or, you know, my fellow uh, or our fellow uh, Banish to the Pen alum, uh, Matthew Trueblood or Meg Rowley. You've got some really talented writers there. And if you want to get imposter syndrome, start writing at a, at a site like that. But at the same time, you know, you're, you're, you've got uh, an opportunity to get your stuff read by a lot more folks. You've got for baseball a analysis, you've got basically world-class type editing. So, you know, you're the, the, product that you're putting out there improves a lot. I can tell you my first few articles, there's a lot of Sam Miller in them because he was editing them. Um, but that's, and you know, the, again, it, it's, I keep coming back to sort of this training for sports analogy, but you go up against uh, better competition and improves your game. And that's, that's sort of the same thing that's happened. You, you write at a better site. I think it, it uh, improves your writing as well. Well, and that's one of the things you mentioned. So how have you handled the, because I felt this too, you begin to put stuff out there and it's great to get the bigger platform, but then you definitely begin to compare yourself. Hey, I'm at Baseball Prospectus. How does my stuff stack up against X, Y, and Z, some of the authors that you've you've noted? I guess personally, how have you dealt with, uh, you know, you said imposter syndrome. Uh, how do you handle that where you're still cranking out content, you're still producing? Uh, does that feeling subside over time that as a few pieces get out there and there aren't major issues with it, you just get more comfortable with it? Or, or what's that been like? You know, Eric, I don't know if it's if it's that as much as I just don't think about it as much. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because one of the things that people say, well, find a niche for yourself. Well, you know, I'm a financial analyst, and there's no financial numbers to analyze in baseball, so I'm not going to be able to do that niche. I've done some stuff that's you know, sort of historical in nature. I wrote a yeah. long piece about the 1971 season based on a comment that uh, Joe Sheehan threw out in one of his newsletters. Um, but you, know, you, you kind of find where your strengths lie. That's not necessarily saying one particular type of thing, like I'm really good at analyzing um, pitching, or I'm really good at looking at differences in lineups or anything like that. But just sort of figuring out the type of article that um, you're, you know, that you feel comfortable writing. And you just go with that. And, you know, personally, I, I don't have any problem saying to myself that, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to give it my best. I'm not going to write anything as well as some of the other folks on the site. I can't manipulate numbers or I can't even program <laughs> the way a lot of the sure. guys there are. I mean, really, it's a, it's a deep pool of talent, but you know, you just figure out, I'm going to do what I do well. And if, if they keep publishing it, then it's okay. And I'll, I'll work with my editors to improve what I can and you sort of get comfortable with it that way. It's not like, you know, again, I'm not looking at this to make it into a career that's going to support anything. And cause if I did, then I'd be more worried about that. But if I can be, you know, it's, if I can be part of a productive team, that's, that's good enough. Sure. Sure. And so uh, do you have a, a set amount of pieces you're, you're intending to publish each week? I try to do 
one a week, but I can tell you I, I'm already leaning heavily on this list I made um, while I was uh, out on vacation a while ago of uh, pieces to write in the off season because you know when there's not baseball being played, it's tougher to come up with ideas. But I'm going to try to shoot for that. Um, I happen to write, I think, three last week, so I'm taking a little bit of a breather this week. But you know, if I can do one, maybe two a week, that's that'll keep me busy. And I think that'll be enough content to help out the site. Sure. Now, where, where do most of those ideas come from? Is there a, a process you go through to try and come up with something to write about or something just strikes you kind of off the cuff? What's that look like? I'll tell you, Eric, a lot of it is just, I think somebody once I heard on a podcast, maybe somebody was asking Jeff Sullivan about how to come out, how he comes up with ideas because he's amazing. He writes two columns a day. That, yeah. it's, it's really impressive what he does. Yeah, it, that's, that's like freak of nature type stuff. That's, that's Usain Bolt level writing. But um, it, he was asked how he comes up with ideas. And he says, you know, some things just naturally flow. But he said, when, when all else fails, watch a baseball game. Because you always get ideas from there. Like I got an idea watching a game once. And I heard Cliff Floyd say something. What he, I think his line was, he was talking about, the lost art of the two-out RBI, which I had never been aware it was an art at all, let alone one was lost. So I did some research on two-out RBIs. Or, you know, you, I mean, you and I have gotten to know each other, and we have other friends from Banch to the Pen. Various conversations I've had with, you know, guys like you, you know, you get ideas. Right. Um, sometimes things just naturally occur. You read, and also you read some of the, really good writers out there and there's stuff that almost drips out of their articles that just say you know here's a crumb that i can do something with like this joe sheehan was writing a piece about um i think it was about bases on balls and joe sheehan's a great writer and he's got a super newsletter and he had this throwaway line about how in 1971 manny sanguian who was catcher for the pirates i think had six Unintended, and he was a regular player, you know, had 600 odd plate appearances. He walked six times all year. And he said that he'd love to go back to 1971. It must have been a completely different kind of baseball back then. And so I said, hey, what if I write a piece about that? So hmm. I, I find that I, you know, the ideas I come up with, it's not anything, I don't have a particularly fertile mind. It's stuff that sort of crops up from reading other people or talking to other people or watching games. And how would you, uh, I mean, how much baseball do you think you're watching a week? Is it, uh, most people, I mean, might not be aware of this, but you're a, a Pirates fan. So is it mainly just following the Pirates or kind of how do you follow the game? Yeah, it's a lot of Pirates games. I watched, you know, MLB.TV has really made this whole, you know, this whole writing about baseball stuff a lot easier, as you know. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, so I would watch almost every day of the season. I'm watching at least one game. Often, you know, because it's because you can do this now. You switch from like if the Pirates are playing the Brewers and it's September and neither of them are going anywhere and the game's five nothing in the first inning. You know, you get naturally switch to something else, or I just switch around because there's an interesting game going on. The late Jose Fernandez was always kind of required uh, TV for me, mm -hmm. um, or if there's a real compelling 
either matchup going on or a team that I was really interested in, you know, just sort of flip around. But I have the advantage that you don't have of not having young kids at home. So there's nothing really to divert my attention at night the way that, you know, the way that you have to deal with it. Yeah. I have a, I have a new appreciation for West coast baseball because that's typically what I'm <laughs> getting around to. So, uh, hey, do you, you know, I mean, do you yeah. mostly watch or do you listen to games too? Uh, for the most part, because I'm, I'm blacked out, I cover the Reds for Red Reporter. Uh, mainly it's, it's radio. So I'll kind of have the radio on in the background throughout the night. And then at night, I'd usually sit down for three or four innings and find a, a West Coast game to flip on for a while. Got it. Yeah. Because I have some parts of the year I spend a lot of time driving. And so sure. I have uh, XM radio in my car and you get home broadcasts. And that's kind of fun because in some ways, I think, I'd say the quality of radio broadcasting overall, I think, is a little bit higher than TV just because it's mm-hmm. a tougher job to do. So they do, you know, they have to describe a lot more. So I enjoy listening to that. And some of the really good uh, broadcasters are just a blast. I was, I had to pick our son up at the airport yesterday, um, right in the middle of the ALCS game. And my wife said, Oh, are you sorry you're going to miss the game? And I said, Well, no, because I get to listen to Tom Hamilton. Oh, sure. Oh, yeah. There's there's uh, times that uh, I've even found trying to turn the radio broadcast on and kind of sync it up with the, the game on TV. Yeah, you just get that yeah. different feel for it. But yeah. Uh, and then, okay. Getting back to what we were talking about, sometimes the radio guys will tell a little anecdote or something because they got to fill time that's sure. not getting filled by showing people in the stands and stuff like that. And that, you know, you can get some, some nice ideas about uh, topics to write about from listening to them as well. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So uh, after you have written something, do you read the comments? I've heard people go both ways on this. Yeah, I I always do. And I'll tell you why. Because, well, for one thing, I've been fortunate. I mean, my own blog, nobody cared about. Fangraph's community got pretty good comments. The comments we get on Banish to the Pen are good. And the ones we get to Baseball Prospectus, I think, are good. So I do it for two reasons. First of all, you know, there's a f- reasonable number of comments I get that they're pointing out something I did wrong. <laughs> so that, that's good to know. So I can fix stuff. Um, and often they're kind of intelligent comments that, you know, they're saying, like I did a piece uh, last week talking about a Bill James in the 1984 baseball abstract came up with this elaborate system for projecting postseason games. And what he based it on was all the postseason games that had been played up to that point. Now, obviously, 1984 was 32 years ago. So I freshened up the data and I ran some new coefficients for the various things he found were predictive. And I so I ran new predictions. And a couple guys said, well, what if you changed it to do this? Or what if you change it to do that? And those were interesting things and they were worthwhile exercises. I did that. So that's one reason. The second reason is I was always in a client services type of business when I worked. And I think that part of my responsibility if I'm going to write for somebody else's site is to promote that site. And I think that, you know, you ignore the trolls, um, but by and large, I think being polite and responding to people who post is sort of, you know, part of what my responsibility is on the site. Fortunately, I haven't had any real trolls. I wrote one article once about how slugging percentage is more predictive of run scoring than on base percentages and has been since World War II. And 
there's one guy said, I basically, I don't believe you. And, you know, I have the numbers. And if he doesn't believe me, that's his prerogative. I'm not going to get into a war about it. But everybody else, I think, um, whose comments I've seen, they've been, they, they've been reasonable. And where I've disagreed, we've been able to disagree politely. So, like I say, I think it's kind of part of my responsibility. But, I, you know, again, I've been pretty fortunate to write at sites that don't attract a lot of, you know, you're an idiot comments. Yeah, I'm sure that helps that uh yeah, it seems like I mean the quality of baseball prospectus comments is I mean, I would say a, a level higher than what you might normally find some places. So you're doing enough sabermetrically inclined writing that you've usually built a fairly good case. It's not an opinion piece, it's not really yeah. uh just throwing something out there. So you know, I my my own blog I had, um I wrote mostly about the pirates, but of course nobody read it. I would imagine that you get some Reds fans who might disagree with what you say. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, think, I, I, think, I think that the job's tougher if you're, if you're covering a team because you got some pretty involved readers who have strong opinions. Yeah, and what we've noticed is, and uh, it's just been weird, that we'll get a certain level of comments on the blog, a different level on Twitter, and then for whatever reason, the we have a Facebook page, the Facebook comments are by far the worst. Um and I mean, I think this summer I wrote something about how the Reds should consider trading Adam Duvall before the trade deadline and people who, ah, you couldn't be any more stupid. This is the most idiotic thing I've ever read. And it was just caught some of that, which, I mean, it was funny to me. But And, that, and needless to say, that was one of the smarter articles that was written this summer because you were, boy, were you dead on. Well, that that doesn't happen all the time. So oh, that was, yeah. Uh, hey, I, I know it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and let's uh, just a few more questions here. So when you're, I mean, like you said, you've got this schedule you'd like to stay on. Uh, there are times it's easy to write, uh, times it's a little more difficult. Uh, how do you kind of push through those moments where maybe you're feeling a little burnt out? Maybe this isn't what you want to be doing right now, but you need to get something done. Uh, what's your, I don't know, trick for that? Well, you know, I, I used to know a guy who said that if you're depressed, do the dishes. Just start doing something. And I find once I get into an article, I'm okay. It's that getting started thing. It's that, sure. that initiative. Um, and actually, <laughs> I've been, I'm, I, I wrote three pieces last week. I didn't really start one until just today for this week, just because, you know, I was a little tired. But I find just, you know, just getting it going, just starting up. Um, once you, you open the Word document and you got your first hundred or so words down, it, it becomes a lot easier after that. And if you, what I do is if I hit like a sticking point in an article, because mm -hmm. that happens, you, you want to flesh out an argument, but you're not really sure how to do it and stuff. I either stop or else I skip ahead to somewhere further down where I know I feel more comfortable with the material. And then I just go back to, to what I'm missing. But that's where, you know, that I go back to that advice Dave Cameron gave. When I was doing a thousand words a day, five days a week, and I was doing mostly about the pirates, but you know, I I was doing previews of every series, and if some guy was hot, I'd write about it. And and you know this, writing five days a week, even if you've got, if you're just writing about a team where you know you've got material seven days a week theoretically, sure. that's that's tough. And yeah. you know, sort of working through that, I thought was was good. You know the the go to the gym analogy. It was a good workout for being able to just say to yourself, okay, just start it and you know that you'll be able to do it. Um, 
I think that's kind of the discipline that's worked best for me. And so I'd imagine uh, we'd have some people listening to this who are, uh, they're not writing yet, but maybe they get the idea. They want to give it a shot. I know you've mentioned a few things, pieces of advice you've picked up along the way, but if someone is listening and they say, you know what, I'd like to give this baseball writing thing a shot. uh, What would you tell them? I mean, it might be similar to some of the things you've already said, but what would your two or three, here's what you need to do to get going. There's these two schools of thought about whether you should write about one specific area that you're really good at or whether it should be a little bit more broad-based. And, you know, I come down on the latter side, um, being more broad-based. But that being said, um, kind of a over- overarching theme of what you're going to write about, um, if you're a big Phillies fan, if you want to write about the Phillies, that's one thing you can write about. I guess if there's one kind of overarching thing that I do, it's I write about the numbers, but I try to do it in kind of an approachable way. Um, you don't need to have an advanced degree to read my stuff, I think, but I write a lot about numbers. So kind of being able to express mathematical things in a way that people can get comfortable with it. That's something, but you know, writing about, and I'll say, I'll say briefly, I'll affirm that because there's a few, a few times I'll get on baseball prospectus and I'll get a few words into an article and I realize very quickly, uh, this is probably a little over my head. Uh, I won't go into it, but I almost didn't graduate high school because I almost flunked statistics and that would have kept me back. Uh, So that's not my strong suit, but uh, I definitely feel like even in your articles, as you're doing statistically inclined stuff, I've never felt like, well, I might not get the the theory behind it completely. I still feel like I'm able to track with you. So yeah, that's definitely something you do pretty well. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I appreciate that. I, my other career without getting into details, I became known as an expert on being able to explain how Medicare reimbursement works for healthcare facilities. And if you can explain that, you can explain anything. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure that helped. Yeah, Talk about a dry, complex topic. Yeah. So that helped. So that's what I'd say is that if you want to write, kind of figure out really big picture what you want to write about. And then like I would do, you know, there's plenty of, um, like Blogger you can use. There's other free sites where you can start your own blog. And I follow Dave Cameron's advice. See if you can write, you know, most days, doesn't have to be five, four, something like that, but write about a thousand words an article, few, most days of a week. See if you, A, have the inclination to really do it, and B, you know, whether it doesn't make you sick, you know, whether you don't get tired of it. What I did is I was, I did it for an entire summer. I said, hey, this is kind of fun. You know, I, I don't, mind it. I think it's interesting. I think I'm okay with it. And, you know, I felt confident enough that um, I met uh, our mutual friend, Ryan Sullivan, the Baron of All Baseball podcasts at the Sabre Seminar um, the year before last. And I said, you know, you're involved, you know, because I read Bands to the Pen, I hear the podcast. How do I get involved with that? And he, um, you know, gave me an introduction. So that'd be the next step. Do something like that. Bands to the Pen, you know, we're always looking for talented writers there. Fangraphs community, or beyond the box score, like I said, also are opportunities. Once you feel comfortable with what you've got, you know, throw them up to a, you know, sort of a bigger platform and see, and see what happens. And then, you know, from there, you know, just kind of see what I did. I wasn't really expecting anything else, uh, but, you know, you just kind of see where, where it takes you. A lot, a lot of us who have written it, Banished to the Pen, our work has been recognized elsewhere and we've gotten to move on to even bigger platforms than that. And that's been pretty rewarding. But 
you know, it's all because we were at Banished to the Pen. That's great. Yeah. Well, and why don't we wrap up with this? Uh, Rob and I are recording this the day of uh, game five of the NLCS. Uh, so, Rob, you got a, a World Series prediction yet? Yeah. There's a part of me that would like to see the Dodgers play the Indians only because then, you know, I I, I don't like seeing franchises and teams suffer for a long time. And if it's the Dodgers against the Indians, which is, you know, also the biggest payroll team, I follow the Pirates. I like small payroll teams against one of the lowest payroll teams, then no problem figuring out who I'm going to cheer for. They'll probably lose because they're down to what? One starting pitcher and a whole bunch of bullpen arms. But, um, you know, that would be the easiest uh, choice for me. But I think as a baseball fan, I'd love to see a Cubs Indians World Series just because you got these two long suffering franchises that assuming, you know, we don't get another like the wasn't the 88 series that there's the earthquake. If we don't get an earthquake that ends the whole series or something, at least one of them will end a really long drought. And, you know, you've talked about on the NL Central podcast how, you know, the Cubs for a team that's been lovable losers for a long time, they're on the brink of getting to be kind of unpopular sort of like how the red Sox went that way right and if the cubs could like get winning in the world series out of the way real quickly then a bunch of us we could start hating them and that would make rooting a lot easier as well so i'd like to see a cubs indians world series and then to be honest just sit back and enjoy it and hope it goes seven well-played games yeah, yeah, that'd be great. It seems like the the majority of people I talk to are, are rooting for a, a Cleveland-Chicago World Series. So, yeah, that'd be fun. But, well, Rob, thanks for talking today. Uh, why don't you, uh, quickly, where can people uh, find you, find your work, find you on Twitter? Uh, what do you want people to know? Yeah, I guess uh, places to find me are at BaseballProspectus.com and also BanishedToThePen.com. And I'm on Twitter at Cran, C-R-A-N, like Nancy, underscore boy. Um, and I, not a particularly clever tweeter, but I, I'm real good at retweeting other people who are clever. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's usually the best I can hope for too. So, well, Rob, thanks for joining us on this uh, first episode. I really appreciate you being on and I look forward to seeing what you uh, come up with next. Always a pleasure talking with you, Eric. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks everyone for listening uh, to the first episode of the On Baseball Writing Podcast. Uh, You can find and subscribe to the show in iTunes. And while you're there, uh, I'd love it if you would uh, rate and review the show. Also, if you cover baseball or know someone who would be a good guest, send us a message. Uh, They could definitely appear in an upcoming episode. As I mentioned, my name is Eric Roseberry. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Roseberry or read my work at Red Reporter and Call to the Pen. And I hope you'll join us for the next episode as I'll be talking with Stacey Gatsoulias.